0: Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash Dirtles. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host Zach Clark and with me as always Nathan Golia. Nate, how's it going?
1: pretty good how about yourself
0: uh yeah no complaints it's been a nice like quiet week uh you know i've been able to you know uh, just uh not you know work constantly which is sort of <laughs> nice
1: i i had a whirlwind weekend last week i was in uh seattle with my wife and her business partner and business partner's family and me and the uh, other husband had duty had uh kid duty with all five kids oh, while man. they were doing work so <laughs> i'm really excited though we have, we have a great guest tonight um John Sukenik, Uh do you prefer John or Jonathan? Sorry, I should have asked. <laughs> it's fine, Jonathan, please. Jonathan Sukenik, uh, who was recommended to us by our previous guest, Ben Friedman, and thanks to everyone who listened to that, and we got some pretty cool feedback uh, from people all over the internet yeah. um, and to talk about some Grixis Delve revolutions. And, you know, Jonathan's deck was so interesting for a number of reasons, and we were just chatting before the show about all the, you know, where he, uh, you know, Started and, and some of his ideas, and we're going to talk about those here. But uh, first, uh, Jonathan, can you tell us a little bit about your Magic history? How long you've been playing, and what it you know was like to make it to uh, Pro Tour and be able to play Legacy on it?
2: Yeah, so I started off playing Magic when I was seven. I'm 26 now, so I guess that's 19 years ago. Uh, I kind of just played with my family. Eventually, we uh, found like F and M, made our way to you know, states and PTQs, slowly working my way, uh, up the circuit, I guess. Played JSS when I was 14 and 15. Uh, 14 was also the first time I like topied at a PTQ. Uh, you know, I, I always like wanted to go to the pro tour, but you know, I, I kind of just played magic. I just really enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, my first pro tour was Shards of Alara block constructed. I qualified for that off of rating and I, I kind of had this history over time of never being able to like win a tournament or have like any huge accomplishments like kind I'm of just existed in the community and would just play magic uh-huh. um and then I kind of got my big break I guess you could say um two years ago where I kind of just went on a tear on magic online I'm uh, I'm known by like Watchwolf Ninety on magic online uh and I kind of grinded for a bit in college, and then when I started working full-time, I would just use all those tickets that I acquired to uh, be able to play in PTQs on weekends. And I ended up spiking uh, four Moto PTQs wow. in 16 months. Yeah, wow. it, was, it was very lucky. Uh, like, some of them were just like, I was like 2% to win and I just happened to win. And I, I, I understand oh, yeah. I got lucky, but I try to be an opportunistic person. So to not let that opportunity waste, I was able to convert that into being silver last season. And then uh, I I also uh, got to silver this season by, um, like, you know, back against the wall, Pro Tour Dominaria. I'm not qualified for the Team Pro Tour. I want to play Legacy. I love playing Legacy. It's my favorite format. And I'm 3-4 in the Pro Tour, and the only way I qualify for the next Pro Tour is by going X and 5. Uh, And then I just end up only losing to LSV in day two, rattling off like eight other wins and uh, and getting there. And I'm like, yeah, I get to play Legacy. Like, I'm really excited. Uh, I teamed up with Hunter Cochran and Jacob Nagro, and we all kind of consider ourselves like format specialists. Like, Hunter says any of us could play Standard, but uh, I I believe between the three of us, he was the best at Standard. Uh, Jacob has a good grasp of Modern, and they both trust me very hard to play Legacy. And uh, so, so, you know, I was I was definitely excited. And then, you know, things things kind of changed uh, with w- with the banning of Deathrite Shaman and
1: Taxi Pro. Yeah, I I, I uh, that was that's a great place to start, especially considering the deck you you decided to play, which was Grixis Delver. Um, so and just to sort of jump ahead and set the stage a little bit, you told us that you had been playing it uh, for a while. The deck, you know, the the fully optimized build. And so July second rolls around. I'm sure you're planning on playing it in the Pro Tour, and these cards are banned. So, what was your sort of initial thought process? Like, were you thinking I'm immediately have to change decks? Were you thinking I have to find a solution to play this deck?
2: Uh, so my uh, like like the thing I said before Deathray Shaman got banned was if Deathray Shaman gets banned, everyone should probably just play Reanimator, which is something a lot of people said, and a pretty like naive like point of view uh, like. It, that's probably just not going to happen, but I just also didn't really believe that Death Row Channel was going to be banned, um, and it was it was kind of difficult. Uh, more so, like I was very ready to just like submit 74 of a 75, like before, like once the ban restricted announcement hopefully just said no bans, then like yeah, I could just like chill for a couple of weeks, figure out like one or two spots, and just be done. So it's like, man, now I gotta get back to the drawing board. Like, this is not gonna be an easy Pro Tour. Um, But in the end, I felt like it was also, uh, oh no, good for me as a person that likes to be a little more creative, likes to explore. I viewed it as an opportunity, an opportunity to prove why I think I'm one of the better Delver players in the world, uh, just in terms of like understanding and playing, um, and uh, yeah it, it, there's just like so much research that had to go into it yeah i i spent a lot of time playing a lot of other delver decks even when death shaman was around uh i decided when i started buying cards for legacy that i would just acquire all the cards to play every single build of delver just in case i want to switch and i did the same on magic online so even with death shaman legal legal i had some reps with jessky delver and rug delver and bug delver and just all the delvers um yeah so naturally when when death right Shaman was banned the first thing i wanted to do was verify that grixis delver was dead uh so i built a list that pretty much cut you know doesn't have Death desert right Shaman, doesn't have probes and just played like four anglers four thought scours uh some baleful strix main which is like a like heck card of mine to like try to fit into Delver for how I try to accomplish my goals in Delver mm-hmm. um, and I just didn't have much time to test with it so I also saw a lot of people were playing Bomek Courier, which goes against my core Delver philosophies but not wanting to dismiss something like I'm, I'm willing to believe that Bomek Courier was right at the time so I played maybe like five or ten leagues with Bowman Courier before I determined like Okay, I don't care if Bomek Courier is objectively the right thing to do. I can't play with that card.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, interesting.
2: Yeah. Um, and w- so, so something I should probably express better is uh, I believe I play Delver in a different way than uh, people typically think of Delver or that... Uh, maybe the Noah Walker and Bob Longs of the world play in a very uh structured traditional way and I I kind of attempt to like break the mold, not not to say that they wouldn't play similarly, but uh I, I, I kind of be like very extreme in my point of views.
1: Well let's and- uh, let's jump in on that for a second because uh, as you were sort of telling us the story before sort of outlining it. So mm-hmm. there's there's a couple Star City opens that were between the banning and the Pro Tour yep. that were gonna have team events and obviously legacy classics. Yep. And I, and you said that at some point in the middle, in the midst of these opens, uh, you shipped your first list to a friend with the Baleful Strix <laughs> and the Four Thoughts Gower. And then you came up with this Delver Principles. And yeah. I, unfortunately, everyone's not going to read it. and It's very long. And I'll put it in the in po- in the in the show notes. But you yeah. have some like instant sorcery count that you want is 26. Lands 18 to 20. Creatures 14 to 15. And then 26 to 20 blue cards. Mm-hmm. Um, you have some things labeled locks for the main. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, Maybe maybe you could explain your philosophy a little bit and why you think it it's it's different than a more traditional way that Delver players have attacked Legacy.
2: Yeah. So each of the colors in Delver are gonna give you something. You have to play blue, of course, Delver of Secrets and you know, the yeah. the the locks for the main that you mentioned are just Delver of Secrets, Ponder, Brainstorm, Force of Will, Two Spell Pierce, and I really like True Name Nemesis, so at least one's gonna be in all of my decks. Uh, But other than that, each of the colors are offering something different, and I kind of laid out, like, every single possible card I would consider playing. Uh, In the most extreme case, there's, like, I don't know, cards like Cast Down and Green Sun Zenith for Nimble Mongoose and Noble Hierarch. Uh,
1: I speak my language.
2: (laughs) Yeah, just, just, just like, everything's here. Um, And the conclusion I came to was I feel like when you play Delver, you want to pair it with red, uh, so blue-red seems to be kind of like the core, because you can play Lightning Bolt, which allows you to play a controlling game or remove, like, problematic creatures while also chopping down the clock against control and combo decks. And one of my core philosophies is I'll never play a removal spell on my main deck that is dead against combo. So I won't play Diabolic Edict, Fatal Push, Dismember. I will never play those cards in the main deck because they don't deal damage to my Storm opponent.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'll only play Bolt Effects. Uh, this was exemplified by uh, GP Treasure Cruise, I guess you could call it.
0: Yeah. Um, we were both there. That was New Jersey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I lost my win in it for top eight of that one playing uh, a Jeskai Delver deck that played zero swords of plowshares in it. I played... I played four lightning bolts and two or three fork bolts and no sword supply shares because that goes against my philosophy. I like I can't beat a control deck or a combo deck playing sword supply shares. Uh, which is funny because I also boarded in meddling mage against Death and taxes and would name Sword Supply Shares and they just assumed that I don't know what I'm doing, which was funny. Uh, but, um, yeah, so pairing red with blue is very important for me in that regard. And I'm not trying to play black for the removal spells. So going over what the other colors offer, uh, white, I already mentioned, I won't play source of Plowshares. So really, you just get like, the Stoneforge Mystic, Meddling Mage, um, pat to Exile, and yep. um, Conta- uh, Containment Priest. And then green also helps in the creature department. It's really just Goyf and Mongoose, and then you get, like, Herz Grip or Ancient Grudge in your sideboard, but, like, really it's for the core of the creatures. And then Black gives you this mix of, like, unique threats in, like, Angler and Bitter Blossom and Liliana, the Last Hope, and then you also get to play discard spells and more removable spells that are more pinpointed, like Fatal Push or Cast Down.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, So once I laid this out... It, it became very clear to me that I didn't want to play white just because, like, I'm not playing white just for Stoneforge Mystic. And if I want to play green, I felt like I had to play Rug, and I don't really like playing Stifle in my Delver list. So, what the Grixis Shell allows you to do is play control in matchups that it is advantageous for you. Um, so, before the Death Shaman ban, Checkpile was a very big deck. The way I would try to beat Checkpile is by boarding out my Delver of Secrets and trying to be a better control deck than they are. So you try to set up this probe therapy to get rid of their pinpoint and removal spells that are trying to line up against your threats the right way. Instead, you just don't play any threats. They might have to board out some him to Torox or like certain reactive cards. And then you operate it on a lower land count. You get to, f- for free, Thalia of them because you're playing days in your deck. So the game just goes longer, so you get to build up this probe therapy combo. You have to, like, try to pyroblast, like, their brainstorm when you end up, like, lining this up. And you have enough cantrips to kind of, like, sculpt this game together. But in a nutshell, I would just win against Checkpile every time by, like, getting rid of their Toxic Daily User Marsh Casualties, then playing Young Pyromancer, making three elementals. Or I would go after their hand to get uh, Diabolic Edicts, then just play Angler, and then use all the removal I've been holding on... Faleful Strikes. And I'm pretty much yes, just trying yeah. to blank their Lightning Bolts and their Fatal Pushes and these removal spells that they have to play because I'm a Delver deck, but I just don't have Delvers in my deck.
0: Yeah, that's actually uh, sort of uh, uh, interesting where uh, I think both of us came to that conclusion uh, uh, about a year ago that like sometimes the worst card in the Delver deck are the cards that can be targeted by mm-hmm. Fatal Push. You know, like taking out Delver, taking out uh, Tarmogoyf. In uh, my Rug Delver deck actually worked out really yeah. well for me because of that.
2: Yeah, you can just focus on Mongoose and True Name Nemesis against Miracles is a good example yeah. right. for Rug Delver. Yeah, yeah. so, so, so th- those are, like, like, my core philosophy is I want to be able to be control against decks that believe that there should be the control. So back then it was Miracles and Check Pile. Now it's Grix's Control and Miracles that I have that philosophy with.
1: So I have some questions on the list, but let's let's actually go a little bit into the into the uh um into the decks that you played. So tell mm-hmm. us about uh, so we've got a deck up here from that is George Magoo from yep. ninth place at the team open. This is in Worcester. And this is the deck you outlined. Two Baleful Strix, four Thought Scour, two Grim Lava Mancer. Um you said that you couldn't make it so you led this list to George to see how he liked it. Yep. Yeah, what, uh, did he have any feedback for you? This has one bad lands, 19 lands total, too, which is an interesting choice. Yeah, he he liked the list quite a bit. He
2: ended up playing a similar list the next week, uh, where he, I believe, cut Baleful Strixes for young pyromancers and played a Dark Blast in the main to be able to fuel the Grim Lava Mancers and Gurmag Anglers better. Um, but overall, the the core remained the same, and uh, it, it, it's it's funny. Uh, like there, there's a subset of people that were just like, yeah, this is definitely a mechanic deck. Like it has uh-huh. like these baleful strixes in the main, and I love playing baleful strix in my delver deck because you get to play it against check pile and miracles, and then they have to play like swords of Plowshares or like lightning bolts on it because you're just gonna kill them with this one one when you set up this plan of like boarding out your delvers, which is why it's in this list. Um, but yeah, the the thought here was we're just gonna play some a lot of elements that provide very unique threats and use Baleful Strix more as like uh, a value engine. But uh, I believe that like Gurmag Angler would be the new best threat. Um, your your graveyard isn't being attacked as much by death Threat shamans and uh, it helps shore up some of your bad matchups when you play this four Thought or four Garmaq Angler shell to be able to just play a turn two or three, uh, Garmaq
1: Angler. I would say your graveyard not being attacked as much is a very diplomatic way to put it. Um, <laughs> so did you and then you played this deck the, the next week? Uh, this a close a build closer to this in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, uh, exactly. And so tell us how that went. How that went for you?
2: Yeah, so. Uh, I made some of the changes that uh, Magoo also made, like I tried playing two young Pyromancers, uh, the sideboard was pretty much exactly the same. I, I didn't adopt the Dark Blast because that goes against my Delver philosophy of playing cards in the main that don't deal damage to the opponent that are removal spells. Um, mm-hmm. And I pretty much beat everything I played against except for Blue-White Stoneblade. Which I didn't think would be that bad, uh, considering that in the with Deathrite Shaman around, it was very easy to beat those decks. I didn't feel like Deathrite Shaman and Probe had that much to do with it, but I think the difference was actually Young Pyromancer. Not being able to have Young Pyromancer and After Sideboard Therapy just made a lot of their equipments harder to deal with. Uh, people were more willing to play cards like True Name Nemesis. Um, it, it was just very unexpected for me to pretty much get wrecked by, by these blue-white blade decks playing a, a version similar to the one that Magoo did well
1: with. Yep. So what you made changes then and played in the Classic the next day. And what yeah, were your so, changes there?
2: So I, I stubbornly just, like, went back to my friend's house and said, like, I think I might have even said, like, this is stupid or something. I'm like, I can't believe I just lost these blue-white like blade decks. This is stupid. Like... This hasn't happened before. It's never going to happen again. I'm just going to play four True Name Nemesis and four Thought Seizes in my 75 that I could take the Batter Skull. And I'll just call it a day. Like, I'll just build, like, my new, like, shell for the classic is just going to be this, like, four Delver, four True Name, uh, as many Gurmag Anglers as I could put into my deck, and, and like,
1: Thought Seizes.
2: And so then, uh,
1: t- yeah. T- three Thought Seizes, two Thought Scour, <laughs> two Preordain. Um, and there was only 12 creatures, uh, four Delvers, four Tree Names, three Garamags, one Garbombo. This, this, this deck list is posted because you made top eight. Um, yeah. you also cut the bad lands, Um
0: Yeah, o- only good lands for this list. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> this is, like, one of those moments where, like, if, if we were watching the Dodgeball movie, they'd be like, interesting strategy, Cotton. Wonder how that works out for him. And obviously you yeah. did well, well for well,
1: you. Let's see if it pays off.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: so... Uh, I guess I should explain some of the differences. So I already adopted two preordains as being like the industry sh- industry industry standard of the core of the Delver decks. So in in, in that list of uh, essentials or uh, you know locks for my Delver main decks, uh, going forward, I believe two preordains are going to be in there, kind of where the four attacks and probe spots used to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then um, yeah, since I knew I wanted to play Thoughtseize. Um, this, this might not be the most intuitive thing, thinking, but uh, playing Thoughtseize is what made me want to play Scour in my deck, not Gurmag Angler. And uh, so I don't know if you've ever done this to anyone, but Thoughtseize plus Scour is, is like a combo in Legacy. So what you get to do is you Thoughtseize your opponent. They're going to play Brainstorm. So then they oh, put their man. cards on top of their deck. <laughs> oh, real next, then you next get, level. Yeah, you get their best three cards with
1: Thought Scour. That's so that's
0: pretty great. I actually. thought
1: you were gonna say so you could Thought Scour the late Thought Seasons away that you saw with Ponder or something. Oh, that
0: is <laughs> that is spectacular. Yeah. And that's 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 actually a play I have not thought of uh in in the like, you know, four years I've been playing Legacy. Uh that's not that's not something that I've even thought that would happen. But you constantly do that when you get when you get hand disrupted is the first thing you do is you brainstorm.
1: Mm-hmm. It was interesting too, in in a and I'm curious about this. Have you ever tried this with Thought Scour? Is with the way Miracle sets up Terminus nowadays? Yep. Do you ever just like they cast a brainstorm in my upkeep? I'm just respond with Thought Scour you. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I played a really awesome match against Harlan Fear uh, back when Death was legal, and he would he end up turn activated top, and I'm just like great, still under my turn. Thought Scour you, and he tapped out to do it, and then he just like looks at me, and is like fine and then just like (laughs) bins like the terminus that's on top and then like now whenever we play he just jokes like yeah should i be like really careful what's on top of my deck against you uh you could port and trigger on the stack yeah thoughts got you (laughs) yeah keep on going sorry the the short answer is yes
0: yeah
2: (laughs) yeah like uh in, uh, in in Philly, where, where this tournament took place, I also played a round one feature match against Adam Yurchik, and in game two, we're setting up this, like, draw-go game, where he ends up either brainstorming or a ponder, leaving on top, and I just, like, draw for my turn and quickly, like, pass, and then he just, like, puts his hand on top of his deck to draw one of the cards that I know he knows, so I'm like, great, like, s- upkeep, like, thoughts guy were you, and I got to mill Flusterstorm, which allowed me to stick, like, a true name nemesis through his counter magic
1: the next turn. Awesome. Uh, so you got to seventh place with this with this build. And yeah. um, did you was it was there a lot of Stoneblade, like which was the reason you did you feel yeah. like this, this solved the problem or just ended up being good and you didn't play against Stoneblade so many times? or?
2: Yeah, so I, I played against Stoneblade like two or three times and uh, beat it every time post board, wh- which was great. I even beat one of the guys I played on the on the first day, which was, you know, uh, some yeah. sweet revenge. But well, my plan was was also, like, very extreme, very, uh, like, a very, quote, sechanic way of, like, doing things, which was I just, like, boarded out my Delver of Seekers, Grim Lava Mancer, and all three Gurmag Anglers, and only had True Name Nemesis to win. I brought on the Snapcaster wow. Mage because it was, like, Snapcaster Mage is just, like, value. I don't care if it gets plowed. But against all these Blade decks, I would, like, use them and then be, like, I'm, like, great, you have those sorts of shares. Have fun gaining, like some amount of life later on, but I just went all in on true name nemesis and the game was very trivial because they're not geared for that, right? Like they're going to be playing all these cards like Sword Supply, Shares, Heirs, and Pat to Exile. And a similar thing happened against Death and Taxes, which I played against twice in that event, where just having four true names as my win condition uh, allowed me to fight their batter skull and then, you know, be able to play another one. And I keep more force of wills in my deck. That way I could counter their co- counsel's judgments. Like they have so little answers that I could just leave in force of wills and then just be a true name nemesis control deck i also got a lot of equity from playing underground sea thought seas and then losing the game either due to like getting wastelanded or any of this other stuff i had three different opponents think i was playing storm oh wow uh-huh. yeah,
1: yeah interesting it's, it's, so that was pretty sweet um great so you play this deck you achieve seventh place which is a nice a nice finish in the classic mm-hmm. next up is the pro tour so your list for the pro tour um can we jump to that quickly just because yeah. I want to make sure I get the changes right. So your list of the Pro Tour has 19 lands, uh, so you've added back the 8th Fetch, and, and, and you're playing 7 duels, I think I should note that, for Season 3 Valks. Yep. Um You have 10 creatures, three, 4 Delver, 3 Trunin, 3 Gurmag, 2 Bitter Blossom, and mm-hmm. then 4 Inquisition of Kozilek instead of Thought Season. So the notable cuts are there's no Thought Scours in this version of the list, yep. there's no Grimlaw Mancer, and there's, you've, you've added a land and 2 Bitter Blossom. So this is the pro tour. Like this is this is prime time. How'd mm-hmm. you end up on this build <laughs> after, after yeah. that experience? First, this message from Phil. Let me tell you something, brother. If you're digging this podcast, you've got to go over to patreon.com slash eternal and become a patron right now. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, so uh, in between submitting for the Pro Tour and uh, doing one in the Classic, this one Moto 50 list kind of took some elements of my list, and then he mixed around all these really oddball choices and like playing Rise and Fall and some Bitter Blossoms main and a Flusterstorm main. And I I always like just exploring. I try to be a very big like student of the game, and I pretty much just like picked up his list, tried to see what I did and didn't like about it. And the most inter- interesting part to me was the Bitter Blossoms. Uh, this was a card people started playing even before Death on was banned as like a one or two of between the main and sideboard. And it really, it kind of was the glue that held together the plan I wanted to have against the Blue White Blade, Miracles, and Grixis Control decks of being able to board out most of my threats. So, four true names just won't cut it in some of the matchups. So, Bitter Blossom complemented that. So, I was like, okay, like, I think a lot of people are going to play Grixis Control. I'm just going to play a threat base that I'm very comfortable with against Grixis Control. I was also aware that uh, the Death Shadow deck was coming up and that Bitter Blossom would be good there. Whereas Young Pyromancer can kind of just like die and not like provide enough defense or it is not the unique threat that I kind of strive to find in my delver lists and i had so the biggest gamble and one that i thought of for like way more hours than i would care to admit is uh, the inquisition versus Thoughtseize. Uh-huh. and um so so your big misses with inquisition are a lot of cards in eldrazi sneak attack or if you need to hit the fatties in sneak and show uh batter skull and force of will sometimes jace like the the hiring cards of miracles uh and natural order uh, and and gurmag angler and there's probably some more and you know but uh so, so it's pretty much like the flexibility versus the life loss and i just had a lot of spots where i'm playing this bitter blossom game game and i had to like fetch and force of will and before i know it i'm at eight and then i draw like thought sees and it's just like okay it is actually very important what's in his hand but like I really can't pay the two life and just like being in that bind i just didn't really want to deal with and you would even get into spots where you land a bitter blossom and your opponent's really up against it and then you draw thought sees and then you know you you thought seize your Grixis control opponent and before you know it, you're like bolt snap bolted out of the game yep. because you lost way too much life between bitter blossom force of will fetch lands and now your thought seizes so
1: I'm a big Bitter Blossom fan, and I do love. <laughs> it's interesting. It's it's a good point though. Like you're not running a GTA or something like that to gain the life back, right? Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of success with decks that just straight up go thought season a Bitter Blossom, you know, in, in certain blue-white heavy meta games, you know. Um, but you're but I've been playing the Death Shadow deck a lot, and Bitter Blossoms in the sideboard there. And the worst feeling is is you. You nailed yourself down to six, and then you draw Bitter Blossom, you might as well have drawn nothing. Yeah. Like, and I think it's it's interesting. Like Bitter Blossom seems like a card you're prioritizing for the Pro Tour Metagame. Um and so you were like, I want this card in my deck, so I'm willing to take a, a minor hit. Though I think in the Del in Delver, with, with the presence of days, you have t- four days, two spell pierce, your high cost cards are not as much a concern. Mm-hmm. And you can just inquisition away those those more efficient spells that can blow up your day, right? Something yeah. like uh, uh, Council's Judgment, right? Um, yep. Because they might be able to get to four, but, but you know, most if if you have a True Name in play, most people are just jamming a Jace right into a Spell Pierce. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I like the I like the thought process there. I'm interested in. in um why you thought bitter blossom would be a good choice uh, in the in the pro tour was just you thought it would be good in general or were you thinking at all about the pro tour crowd having been on the pro tour a few times
2: yeah so it, it might be slightly flawed logic but i know i'm always going to play delver delver's like like what i enjoy doing in magic because i get to play all these different roles and when i prepare for legacy the field is so wide that I actually just care about concepts and not percentages. I want to play lists that are flexible instead of lists that are pinpointed in a certain direction. So playing Bitter Blossom conceptually allows me to play a better control plan against controlled decks, which is why I chose to play Bitter Blossom. The fact that Grixis Control ended up being the most played deck in Legacy was really just luck. Like, I... <laughs> you yeah, not have like, any... <laughs> Like, I, I didn't do any, like, special metagaming. Like, the most metagaming I did was play an in my sideboard instead of, like, Sudden Demise or Another Fork Bolt or Dismember or Fatal Push. And that that's really the only spot I would change going forward because, like, everything else is just so well-rounded in this list and can play multiple roles. So... Uh, what was the electricery technology for? So, another core Delver philosophy I try to have is I want... Two to three answers to Merit Lage, and two to three answers to Empty the Warns in my deck. Okay. Uh, so if you look at my Pro Tour list, it had two Diabolic Edicts, one Electricary, and one Marsh Casualties. So oh. uh, it, it was kind of a like a hedge in that direction, but uh, you might not a- always be able to cast like Mar- Marsh Casualties against Death and Taxes, but you can like Electricary, or if they like Violent a Mother of Runes, you can get an End of Turn. And you know, there's just some spots I've seen people play blazing volley, and it was specifically the mother rune scenario that I was worried about. But that might be like pigeonholing it too much. Like it might not be that big of a deal. But if if you don't fear empty the warns, then yeah, you could just cut the electricity for like fatal push or I don't know Liliana's defeat. Just you can you can put in
1: any removable spell there as long as you're okay. justified. Uh, and nineteen lands. I guess you have a bit of a higher curve with three true names, and uh, you know you're going to be boarding in Marsh Casualties and the Leon of the Last Hope. So good to have those extra sources.
2: Yeah, a, a lot of people when they looked at my four true name list were very concerned about getting to like three mana, but I, I don't think people realize that. You know, you could just not activate your wastelands. Like, yeah. if I'm if I'm centering this game around True Name Nemesis, I could just play it on three, then wasteland you later.
0: Yeah. Um, not to mention, you're running ten cantrips. I mean, if you really need land, you can find land.
2: Yeah, exactly. Your your cantrips are geared in a different direction. Like, there were a lot of ponders and uh, brainstorm plus fetches that I just shuffled away Delver of Secrets when I knew this was going to be a True Name control game instead mm-hmm. of uh, a Delver of Secrets tempo you out game. And like the the phrasing I like to use is like I think I'm one of the best Delver draw go players in the world. Like I have Delver secrets in my deck, but I'm perfectly fine just draw going. And like uh playing the nineteen lands is very important if you're gonna play the draw go, you know, situate this like angular true
1: name, nemesis control plan. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you wanted to add about the deck uh you know, these specific tournaments? I think that uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about your philosophy sheet um <laughs> again because I got, you know, definitely some stuff I want to see. Was there anything you wanted to add before we move on to the next topic?
0: Uh, it,
1: Just
2: just as, like, a general... Like, this could apply to Legacy, because Legacy is, like, less... uh It doesn't move around as much, but my core, like, eternal format philosophy lately has been, like, okay, I'm going to find a deck that I feel like I would never get bored of, and then just keep on playing that. And when I was younger, and... I had a lot less like success when I was younger, and it, I, I feel like a lot of that stemmed from me trying to just like feel like I had to come up with like all these rogue decks, and I had to like be smarter in the deck building phase because I wasn't like the best Magic player. I you know didn't have the most like self confidence, and then I kind of just like that kind of molded me into this player that like can kind of like innovate and like pick up decks kind of quickly, but then. I realize that there's all these like situations that will come up in Legacy that unless you played that deck for a long time, uh, you it, it won't occur to you. Like I've been trying to discard spell Thought Scour people for like a very long time, like <laughs> and, and this was finally the time to do it. Like. When I, when I got to the convention center the next day at Philly, I just ran up to all my friends. I'm just like, yo, I'm playing this combo in my deck. And, like, you know, some people got it, some people didn't. And, like, I was just so excited to be comboing people with my, you know, two-card combo, get your best three cards. Uh, but uh, it's it's just so much about learning the ins and outs of your deck. And, frankly, you know, with, with, with a full-time job and where I'm trying to be in the Magic Pro scene, I just don't have time to learn other archetypes but learning your archetype is not always about playing your deck like I've played the other Delver decks to understand why a person would like that like why like in what world does Rugged Delver become the best Delver deck in the format I'm aware of that because I've played Rugged Delver Mm -hmm. and and like the the what probably the weirdest thing I did pre um pre-banning of Deathrite Shaman and Getaxian Probe is I would just have, like, a Noah and Bob list like, on my screen. And then the other screen just has, like, 20 tabs open of check pile. And I'm just like, what is the minimum I can add to my sideboard and, like, like kind of like Frankenstein's monster, my Delver deck, uh-huh. to make it into a bad Checkpile deck when check pile is a better deck than Delver in the matchup? And I just learned so much by... I played some with Checkpile to understand the point of view... And I just learned so much by looking at checkpile builds and sideboards and sideboard you're,
1: guides. You're, you're very mid-rangey, and uh, the way you, you prioritize the player assigning role is, like, I, I do agree that it is different than how a lot of people approach Delver playing. And it does get to a question I've never, never asked in the podcast, but have wondered sometimes, like, is a 3-2 for one just a good card? And does it have to be, like, this ultra streamlined tempo burn deck all the time or can it just be like no i only want to tap one land to play this three mana three power evasive creature
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know uh, and like it's considering a lot of times you're boarding it out even like
2: yeah let me answer your question with my own question
1: uh,
2: what do you think is a better deck in modern uh if, if, if i'm not familiar with how much you guys play modern or follow it but do you think grix's control like a cory burkhart style deck is better or like grix's death shadow
0: I mean, I would go with Death Shadow myself, but uh, I, I I've not played Grixis Control at all.
2: Yeah, well, Corey's pretty much the only person that plays Grixis Control now, um, and a lot of people play Grixis Death Shadow. And they're like, I believe the reason why Death Shadow uh, people would feel like is generally a better deck is because you're allowed to attack Tron ad Nauseam, uh These decks where you can't just attrition them out of the game with control, you, you need to have some sort of closing speed. Mm-hmm. Death Shadow allows you to... But 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 when you play Grixis Death Shadow, you still have the control elements. So you're allowed to play control in the matchups like Humans and Affinity. Like you have all these uh, burn spells and cantrips to kind of make things work. That's how I view Grixis Delver and Grixis Control. I'm never going to play Grixis Control in Legacy because I could just... Like, Grixis Control isn't going to beat lands that often. Or they're, they, they have a hard time beating... Uh, Sneak and Show because the Sneak and Show player has forever because unless if they're getting like Gurmag Anglered, They just have a very long time even if you him to Torok them a few times Uh, But by playing just Delver of Secrets wasteland days in your deck You're giving yourself the ability to have so much more game in these matchups So I would never sacrifice that flexibility of being able to just delve your opponent out of the game uh, to shore like Yes Grixis Control is going to have a much better, like, Chalice of the Void matchup, and it, it's making a lot of, like... Delver has a bunch of, like, maybe 50-50 matchups, and Grixis Control make, gets to make them, like, 60-40, but then I feel like by not playing Delver of Secrets in your deck, you're taking a bunch of, like, 40-60 matchups and making them, like,
1: 0-100. Interesting. It, it's funny, it, it, it is the circle that you get into, right? Like, because the efficiency of the form, of the format is so... Is so concentrated. I mean, you're still you're still playing cards that have a lot of utility. You have two abrades. Like the difference the the difference in function between that and a colygon's command, when you factor into the the, uh, the fact that you're closing faster and that you can still kill chalice with it, is negligible, right? Like, um, and you know, bitter blossoms a two mana card. Like you're gonna hit two mana. Um yeah. So. And the, so you, it seems like your style is not to really play like feel like you don't feel like you have to play mid range by playing up the curve as much and playing jace and and you know all these uh, you know three mana spells that people play and those kinds of decks you know yeah. you just feel like you have the same effect by and the the closing speed makes up for the fact that it's not the the average card isn't as powerful in a vacuum but you're done faster so yeah. it doesn't matter yeah
0: yeah,
2: yeah like uh. A good way I like to describe it is in the matchups where they can't remove your Delver of Secrets, Delver of Secrets is a one-mana true-name nemesis. Like Yeah. Yes. Like like, like, like that sounds silly, but against, like, say game one against elves, like, there is no difference between a flip Delver of Secrets and true-name nemesis. Mm-hmm. They don't really play answers to flyers in their main. Like, they have Abrupt Decay post-board. But, like, now I could pitch this true-name nemesis to Force of Will and I got to play my quote, true name on turn one. Or against, yeah. like, Sneak and Show, you're doing the same thing. Like, okay, like, if I don't play with Delver of Secrets in my deck, my, my clock is going to be so slow. Like, I don't even have the ability to win this matchup now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the old adage of how do you beat a turn 6 combo deck is beat them on turn 5, right? Uh, like, yeah. if you have a faster clock, you're gonna you're going to make sure that your opponent doesn't get to do their combo.
2: Yeah, and, like, not playing days just feels wrong to me. Like, by playing days in your deck you're playing this Thalia, like, dismiss card. Like, it's Thalia (laughs) where your opponent's just going to respect it a bunch, and then it's, like, dismissed because you get the card back in your hand, and then you get to brainstorm it away. Like, it didn't even really cost you a card because your deck
1: is so hyper-efficient.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Why wasn't Daze, here's here's the only question I wanted to ask, not really, but the the big question I asked, why wasn't Daze on your list of, of automatics in Delver, given that statement? It was. Except I forgot it. Yeah, you're right. Okay, because it's, <laughs> it's in the lower location. Good. That, that's a good Updated. question. <laughs> I'll,
2: I'll, I'll even put the two preordains in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. because you had it down in the uh, blue section, but I guess you also have the other cards. Okay, so that's, that's yeah, done. Yeah, thanks, you, thanks. You, it's, it's definitely very important. Uh. <laughs> you said you had some awareness. You said you had some awareness that the Death Shadow Deck is coming, I guess, if you were talking to Ben at all, you would have. Um, did you consider, <laughs> the, and it was on your list of black cards, did you consider it at all? Um. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I didn't actually discuss uh, deck, deck list with Ben before this event. Uh, I, I I did have some information about some of the teams bringing Death Shadow, but uh-huh. the week before that, when I went to Philly, Oliver Tomajko, uh, I think, top forward the the event with like a Grixis Death Shadow deck, and the week before. On Magic Online, there were two 5-0 lists that were Grixis Death Shadow that were one played like Team or Battle Rage, the other one played like Stifle Wasteland,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: so it's definitely like on my radar. And I knew that I wasn't going to play it, so Death Shadow goes against my Delver philosophy. So if you're playing Death Shadow in your deck, you are trying to like play this deck that has to be like it has to turn the corner in some way and be very, like, aggressive. Like, yeah, I'm going to go down to six because I'm going to try and kill you in two turns. Like, instead of just being like, yeah, I'm going to be this drago plan, I'll kill you in six turns with a true name nemesis. Like, right. it's just very different. And, like, by, by playing cards like Snuff Out and him to torok, like, those cards are pigeonholed in certain matchups. And by not playing Lightning Bolt in your deck, you're making your Delvers, like, slightly worse. You're making your Waste slightly worse. Um, So I knew that I wasn't going to play Death Shadow, but that I I, so I do believe that if people play Delver in a non-secanic way, uh, they should be playing Death Shadow right now. I think if you view Delver as this tempo deck or this deck that like tries to just like barely get over the finish line where your opponent dies with like five cards in hand, you should be playing Death Shadow. Um, I'm only playing like Grixis Delver because I want to play Control against Miracles, Grixis Control and Blue White Stoneblade.
1: Yeah, I don't want to get into a debate on whether or not the blue black deck can do that, but I've, I've played I played so much of it since we talked to Ben. I played <laughs> like four leagues. I played it last night at the local. And it um, I'm over 500 by a few matches. Last night didn't go great, but I lost the mirror to um, a, a, a version splashing green for uh, abrupt decay only. Yeah. And I also lost a food chain, which was, was like an abrupt decay baleful strix deck. So. Yeah. Um, but like most of the other match I mean I I've, I've beaten death and taxes I've beaten miracles uh, I've won the mirror online I've I yeah. you know I've lost a couple I the deck I've actually had the most trouble with is rug so far mm-hmm. and I'm still and I and I now the next time I play it I have like a, a way I want to attack it that's different than I how I how I have been so mm-hmm. far but it's interesting you know the death shadow tempo game is different than a traditional delver tempo game not in the same way that your approach is different but mm-hmm. like like it's not really a mana denial tempo thing. It's really just like I have a nine nine, and yeah. it's turn three. What are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, yeah. I have a nine nine and untapped lands. You know, with this card sudden or stubborn denial in my deck. What do you got? <laughs> you know. Yeah,
0: like
2: like a good way I like to describe the Death Shadow deck is it's a deck that got to, got away with playing like four Delver of Secrets and like seven to nine Girmag Anglers. Like yeah. you're just playing one mana big big. And then like you just get to kill people with that, and I think that is where a tempo like a tempo style Delver deck should be right now. Yeah, I just but, don't want to play my Delver decks in that way.
1: Yeah, and again, because I'm only playing two Wastelands, I went down to three days even because I just didn't feel like Sacrifice. Um, it, well, only because I didn't feel like the mana denial plan was good in this in that particular build because you've got Street Wraith and and you've got all these cards that don't feed your mana denial plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, like you have to have street wraith in your deck. You have to have thoughts. in your deck. And that's what I was saying. I don't want to go get into it too much, but like, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting how you, your approach to the Delver archetype is different. The death shadow approach, to the Delver archetype is different. And then there's still the traditional Delver archetype out there. That's more traditional about heavy on the mana denial, heavy on the fast game. Um, That is, is that all these, that all these tempo strategies or Delver strategies I should say are sort of competing right now to see which one's going to emerge. So, yeah, um, I don't know, just, it's an interesting observation I, I, you know, I've so far agreed with a a lot of your thought process and and especially in considering, you know, some of my recent experience playing the other, you know, this, this dust shadow deck and having played Delver before, Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting how you got to some of these decisions, but something that I've, you know, considered at times too, so.
2: Yeah, and and you know something I want to reiterate is like you're doing a good job of like playing these different Delver decks and observing the difference. And you can almost scope out like how do you want to play Delver? Like you can play Delver like this like rug Delver, like all in on the mana denial. Like that is like why I'm playing Canadian Thresh. Or like you can play like in a zekhanic way. Like how am I going to be the lamest Grixis control deck out there? <laughs> and like then there's the Death Shadow style of just like. Yeah, I believe Gurmag Angler like, type cards are just the best right now. So I'm just going to, like, bury my opponent with those types of cards. And I think a person that wants to get into Legacy or wants to, like, learn Delver, instead of, like, you know, trying to, like, message me, Noah, Bob, you know, whoever, the uh, Ben, like, whatever experts, I I think they should just try to, like take the tools, learn it themselves, and they might even come up with different combinations or different ways of approaching it. And like, that's how I even got here. If I just like, I I am friends with Noah and Bob, I could have just messaged them right away and been like, hey, like, how do I play this deck? And then like, (laughs) this wouldn't have happened because I would just take their word for it and then just, you know, slot into that mindset of Grixis Delver. But instead I try to learn all the views of Grixis Delver and then do like play magic the way I want to play. And I encourage other people to do that as well. Not even with Delver, just Eternal formats in general. I play Jeskai Control and Modern. I don't think it's—I don't think it's a good deck. Uh, I don't—I don't recommend it to anyone else. Uh, I recommended it to like Ben Nicklish once because I knew it was what he wanted to be doing in the format. Other than that, I don't think it's a good deck. And I don't think people should play it. I just play because that's how I like to play Magic. It's a control deck that I play like an aggro deck. Uh, which is, like, the, the flip side of, like, how I play Grixis Delver.
1: Um, Getting Bolt Snap bolted out of the Jaskai control deck in Modern is, like, one of the worst feelings on Earth. Yeah. you just, like, you're at 9, you're like, okay, great, I'm at 9, I've got some time, and then they just kill you. Um, no, yeah, Zach and I, think- I are big fans of, and Zach goes back years playing Rug Delver, and mm-hmm. sometimes, and that's your point about just, like, do it, you know, what do you feel like doing? Like, there are definitely times that I'm like, you know what? I want to stifle people tonight. That's yeah, what yeah. I want to do right now. <laughs> just get him. I mean, just I wake up back... in the
0: middle of the night in a cold sweat wanting to stifle people. That's that's my problem.
1: <laughs> like, and and you know, so there is like, yeah, there's personal preference because if you're playing a deck and you're not into it uh at the time, you know, you're not gonna make good decisions, right? So yep. I'm 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 testing pretty hard for Eternal weekend. Like I, I follow I I looked at what Jarvis you posted uh when he posted his testing notes. So I'm basically just copying what he did. And I've, you know, put all my, uh, um, all of my death shadow leagues in this, in this document right now. Awesome. And it's really interesting. I mean, it's, you know, I really want to do a good job and I'm trying to, uh, you know, follow what has worked for some other people instead of being stubborn and thinking I can figure it out because, you know, there's Uh, definitely a lot to learn from the community.
0: Going back to what you were saying before, Jonathan, uh, the the willingness to to innovate and to try to take what you know is is correct but still like not consider that gospel is is actually a really a really hard thing for a lot of magic players to to um embrace is mm-hmm. is being like okay yeah I know this deck well but what happens if I change the way I play this deck um mm-hmm. and and that that I think is a, is something you've sort of mastered here with the the Grixis Delver deck um mm-hmm. that you, you know uh, I, I think it's it's it, it's oftentimes lacking in in the rest of the community is is how to play a deck slightly differently if you have a different philosophy in mind,
2: yeah, and it really comes down to like why do you play magic like part of me like has this stupid like ego thing, like I want to be the smartest person or something, yeah like that, and this is a way of me expressing that, but in the end, that's just like silly, like it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day how smart I think I am or what other people think of me uh what 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 really matters is just like doing what you know what what you enjoy and so it's it's tough right so my like recent magic success actually goes against what i'm like telling people to do in internal formats so the four moto p 2 i won and every single standard pro tour i played in i've just played what the best deck in the format was whether or not it matched my play style or any of that other stuff so, you know, I'm not trying to like say all these like double standards types of things, but um, it just involves like general like awareness. Like, I figured out that I enjoy playing aggro decks that can play control and control decks that could play aggro decks by also triple queuing on Magic Online for three years in college. Like, like I, I put in all these reps with all these different decks, and I understand what aspects I like. So, I, I believe the most important part in Magic as a whole is the introspection process and understanding what you want to get from Magic. So, like, if you want to be on the Pro Tour, you're just going to have to suck it up and play the best deck sometimes, because, yeah. like, that will just get you, like, these higher finishes, like, you have a higher percentage chance overall, and, like, the deck could just be broken, and you you should probably take advantage of that. But if you care so much about, like, the fun and the exploring, or just, like, if you're a middling player and want to get better the introspection process is something that's never going to go away process is yeah. very important and it can help you in life too you you want to get into a better job you want to switch fields well you should probably understand how you operate in certain circumstances
1: right. um and i think one of the points to make specifically as you talked about well in standard i just played the best deck but standard isn't legacy i think legacy the resonance of the cards with the player is an important part of it you know Mm -hmm. some people really like doing certain things that you can only do in this format you know like we talked about stifle or wasteland or whatever it is yeah Yeah. get them right (laughs) or to place you know to play the card dark ritual or to play the card uh you know metal worker right you know some people are just going to do that and that's that's part of what makes the format great and uh but you know there's there's lots of room to still play the cards that resonate with you and and make the best decisions and you know, I think uh, we all benefit from taking a step back and examining our game sometimes. So.
2: Yeah, legacy is a form of expression. Yeah.
1: Before we Before we wrap up here, uh, there's a Grand Prix in Richmond in I guess two weeks from when we're recording. It'll be about a week and a half or so uh, from when this episode posts. Awesome. Are, would you? What? What? Would you? Are you considering any changes? Do you not want to mention? What do you think? You know, this deck's relationship to the Grand Prix is going to be. Um, yeah, you guys gonna uh, roll out your same Pro Tour list, or are you expecting some changes?
2: Uh, so I make no promises, uh, but 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 I am like pretty open about like sharing ideas uh, with with people. Um, depending on how like how comfortable how willing i am to accept losses against the card empty the warrens the sideboard (laughs) might change to accommodate for death shadow more Mm -hmm. so if i think death shadow is going to be more popular i'll move the electric read to a fatal push uh, or i might play blazing volley like like that removal spot is very up in the air uh there's like so much less like graveyard decks i thought there were going to be that i might just like take the gamble and like cut like another surgical extraction or something like that but the like Two surgical extraction, Snapcaster Mage thing is kind of like a, a core in the sideboard. Um, as for the main deck, I might like move the fourth Inquisition back to the board and just play like a third Preordain. Uh, but really, not too many big changes. But if I had to be honest, I wouldn't really recommend this deck to anyone. I think people should play Death Shadow if they play Delver in a very tempo or the best Delver deck kind of way. I think it's just clear that is the best deck. I just know it's not why I play Magic, so I'm not going to do it.
1: I have been shocked by the sort of dearth of uh, graveyard decks myself. Did mm-hmm. you guys think that this is the, this could be the tournament for it? Where someone's finally is like, all right, Deathrite <laughs> Shaman's gone. People are starting to whisper that there's not as many graveyard decks. They're going to cut their surgical. I'm uh, showing up with Grizzle Brand.
0: Yeah,
2: th- so there was three surgicals on my board for... Up until, I think, an hour before deck submission, and, like, I switched it to the Storm because Flusterstorm comes in a lot of the same matchups as Surgical. Also uh, works through Chancellor. Yep. <laughs> I didn't really <laughs> think about that, but that's that's definitely true. Uh, but then Storm also, like, I was a spot short if I want to board out all my Anglers and Delvers in some matchups, and I was also, like, a spot short against, like, control, like all, all the decks where I boarded out a lot of creatures. I was actually short one spot in my sideboard, so moving the surgical to Fluster Storm became trivial at that point. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just really weird to me. I really thought that Reanimator was gonna be a lot more popular. And maybe people are just like still feeling it out. And, you know, I think there will be a weekend where uh, where people will have not respect, like, it's very uh, cyclical, right? Or, yeah. like, a, sin, a sinusoidal or whatever. I don't know, it just goes up and down, and we'll figure it out later. But everyone's going to uh, have some of have surgicals, but it just depends on how much people, like, it's the same with the Empty the Warns thing, right? Like, I don't want to just lose to Empty the Warns, so I will just play, two, like, in my sideboard, and I just won't worry about, like, the ups and downs.
1: I love that Empty the Warns is your bugaboo the same way that, like, Blood Moon is mine. I just hate losing a Blood Moon. Like you could, because you always feel like an idiot. Like oh, I didn't put a basic land in my deck, and like yeah. yes, I play Delver decks sometimes where I have a basic land, but like you know, just, yeah. it just <laughs> it, so if, crushing. It,
2: yeah. So if, if you can track like my modern deck lists over like I played Jeskai Control for like three years or something. Uh-huh. In the beginning, I had zero answers to Blood Moon, and I just made a pact with myself that every time I lost a Blood Moon, I would add a hate card for it. <laughs> and I think right now I'm at like. Five
1: oh, or man. something. Yeah, so you got the four, two... four disenchants, four celestial purge. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: It, it's like two, two, purge, a wear tear, an engineer explosives. <laughs> Maybe I just cut the fifth one or something, but yeah. like, yeah, I just wasn't having any of it. So I relate to the blood moon thing yeah, very man. heavily. For
0: for me, the card is Germa Gangler, uh, and and I'll just never be able to beat that card in rug delver. It's just the card that comes down and you're like, yep, I lost to this card. <laughs> There's yeah, no, there's gotta, no good answer. You, you gotta play dismember, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, the dismember is a card, but generally, like, you know, you're seeing delvers, you want to hit the delvers too. It's just like you, you never have, you never feel like you have enough.
1: Yeah, I've got to tell you guys about, uh, about my last game last night with that shadow deck. I was playing against uh, like a eight rector eureka Nick fit deck. Oh right? my god. Mm-hmm. And uh, I. Lost the first game because he managed to get a sandworm convergence into play. Um, then, uh, but anyway, so I won the second game, third game I'm on the draw. He starts out, and I keep you know like my hand, whatever it's in my hand, I forget what it was. But like I'll just tell you what he did. He thought seizes me, takes a daze. I draw fluster storm, play a land, pass. He thought seizes me again. I fluster storm it. He plays a veteran explorer. I force a will it. Um, I untap and wasteland him he plays a land casts Collector brutality takes my another force of will that i had drawn uh passes back to me i draw the card Gurmag gangler have exactly six cards in my graveyard <laughs> just slam it onto the table <laughs> <laughs> my hand is a death shadow but i've got in my in my graveyard a force of will that was brutality the force of will i cast a days he thought sees my fluster storm um and, and wasteland. Uh, wasteland or whatever it is, I I got up to six. The upside is I had six. Maybe I had to fetch land. Um, but like yeah, just drop the Garma on on the table. We both got nothing in our hands. Just four turns later, the game's over. Like one yeah, soft it, card.
2: It, it's pretty much the real big fish.
0: It's, yeah, dude. It just does it all.
1: <laughs> it's just like you know, I got one land in play. I've got one land in hand, and here's my five five. Like come on. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. We yeah, really appreciate you, you uh, coming on and and chatting with us. I I hope to see you next time I'm out east. Uh, maybe we'll be able to get at the same tournament. Zach lives in New York, too, awesome. so uh, you guys are in the same region. Um, but really, thank you so much for coming on.
2: Yeah, and thanks for having me. This is my first podcast. Both of you are very warm and friendly. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I look forward to meeting you guys. And whoever listens to the podcast in the future can feel free to chat me up. Awesome. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks so much. Great. Have a good one.
2: All right. Thanks. You too.
0: Stop. Stop. I need Can't see. any more stuff. It's how it up with the Joneses. Stop. Stop. I need stuff. Can't see. any more stuff. It's how it up with the Joneses. it up with the Joneses. where does he get those wonderful toys Eternal Dirtles is supported by audible.com if you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with audible you can go to audibletrial.com/eternaldirtles and they'll hook you up with a free book and you'll be supporting the show thanks so much